0: you understand the replies that you get from China will be in perfect Chinese. (laughs) Coming from Hong Kong, I quarantined myself in my son's house in Seattle for the last week against, you know, severe acute respiratory syndrome. And after one week he said to me, Dad, I think you better go. (laughs) I think you have contracted a severe acute Restlessness Syndrome. (laughs) It's wonderful to come back to Brook. I was looking out of my hotel window. And I mean, your neighborhood is just like a park. Just so gorgeous. And that reminded me, some years ago, my wife and I, we were also speaking at a mission fest. And in between the meetings, we went out for a walk in that area, just like a park. And I saw this young Canadian boy, maybe 12 years of age. I mean, all alone by himself, sat on this bench and reading a thick book and uh, I was so impressed so I went over sat down by this young Canadian boy struck out a conversation trying to witness to this young Canadian boy and uh, but then I soon discovered that we were not connecting as though we have different brainwave we were not connecting at all so finally I said to the young Canadian boy I said you know what I do he said nope I say I'm a pastor. You know what's a pastor? He said, Yep, some kind of Italian noodles. <laughs> pastor. <laughs> talking about books. And uh, last Christmas, I received a gift book from some friends in America. It was John Grisham's latest, Skipping. Christmas, and that was perfect. It was perfect because for all my years of traveling and ministering, I always tried to go back home for Christmas. But then last Christmas, I I I have to skip Christmas, and with this book, I went into China. We went into this mountainous range in Yunnan Province to visit this elderly pastor, 83 years of age. I mean, this pastor Ku he has spent 23 and a half years in a solitary confinement in a prison in China for his faith. And he was telling us before, I mean, not on this trip, he said, when I was arrested up in these mountains, we had 150 believers of Jesus. He said, I knew, I knew, because I was the only pastor, and, and I was the only Christian worker, and our church was the only church in this mountainous range, and we had 150 believers. But then... I was arrested. I was sentenced for life. And uh, of course I was concerned for my family. But more than that, more than that, I was concerned for that 150 sheep. Because I was constantly reminded of what the scripture says that when the shepherd is smitten, then the flock, the flock, they were scattered and they would die. And 22 and a half years later, he said one day, some young people's Liberation Army soldiers, they marched into my cell and they said to me, "Oh man, get up, get up, get up." And I didn't know what was happening, and I got up, and they said, "Oh man, get out, get out." And he said "I didn't know what was happening, so I kept looking, out, out, out. So I kept moving, and before I knew it, bang! the iron gate was closed behind me, and I was out, free. And I rushed back into the mountains. And as I came to the village, my son, my eldest son, whom I have not seen for more than 23 years, I mean, he came out of the village welcoming me, and he was crying, and he was laughing, and he was saying to me, Papa, Papa, we now have 5,000 believers in these mountains. And this elderly pastor, he said, I was furious. I slammed the table, I stole my son, how dare you? How dare you lying to your father? I mean, no pastor, I mean, no missionary, I mean, no me, no me, right? No me. (laughs) Five thousand, and three and a half weeks, he went on his bicycle. For three and a half weeks, he circulated the entire mountainous range and went into every village, going into every house, and asking, how many Jesus believers in your house? How many Jesus believers in in, in your house? How many Jesus believers in your house? Three and a half weeks later, he came back, he tabulated. Sure enough, it was not 5,000. It was (laughs) 4,999. And the Lord reminded him, plus you. (laughs) And he said to me, Pastor Wong, the mountain is too high now for me, 83 years old. You go, you go. So at Christmas, I went with our co-workers. I mean, they were smart. They purchased cans of oxygen because we were up at 4,960 meters. I mean, by American standard, that would be 14,000 feet high. I mean, way up there. And we went up there for three purposes. One, to deliver Bibles. God allowed Asian outreach We printed 36,000 Bibles as Christmas gift. And for 16,000 of them, they were to be delivered into this mountainous range. Because by now, they have 180,000 believers of Jesus Christ. And we carried the boxes. I mean, we couldn't carry all of them. The rest, we we asked for the service of the People's Liberation Army soldiers. To help us to deliver the rest of the Bibles up to the mountains. And I have these few boxes. And when I got to the village, I mean, you don't just reveal Bibles like these. No, 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 no. The leaders, they came out in the snow and they got down on their knees and waiting for me to hand over that box of Bibles. I mean, when I gave them that box of Bibles, on their knees, they opened up the, bi- the box crying, holding up those Bibles, and they were just fondering the Bibles, kissing the Bibles, crying, just touching the Bibles with their faces, and then circulate one to another leader, the same, on his knee, kissing, touching, fondering the Bibles. I mean, have you ever tried to cry with no oxygen in your lungs? I have to borrow those cans of oxygen and spray myself so that I could just, uh, 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 just cried. I mean, tears of joy, tears of identifications, kissing, touching, fondling the word of God. And the second purpose, the second purpose of our going up to the mountains, was to commission. These migrant missionary families. I mean, you church, you pray for them. You church, you write to them. You church, you support them. And here I was, 12 families, tribal, minority families, husbands and wives, and their children. And they were kneeling in the snow, in the snow. And the leader, and the leader, she said to to these 12 families, Pastor Wang has come from Hong Kong, and he's going to commission you and he's going to send you out to go now that's fine send them out to go that's fine and he's going to send them out to live well that's also fine he's going to send you out to live he's going to send you out to settle down well that's also fine sending out these migrant missionaries to settle down in different mountainous range in that area that's also fine and he's going to send you out to preach. Well, that's also fine. Sending this migrant missionary out to preach. But then, when she said the last demand, he's going to send you out to die for Jesus. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I mean, to send her out to go, to send her out to live, to send her out to settle, to send her out to preach, fine. But then to send out these young families with children to die for Jesus. I mean, I asked for cans of oxygen and I sprayed myself. I mean, I didn't go and stand in front of them. I went and I knelt down and I hugged every one of these families and I cried. Lord, send them out to live. Senting out to go. Sending out to proclaim. Sending out to die. And a third purpose, the third purpose of our going up to the mountain was to conduct training. To train the house church leaders. I mean gathered eighty of the house church leaders, and we met in this rock. It's called Tiger Head, which is two thousand feet higher. And that's where tourists would come. It's a park. Well, it's a wilderness, to be exact. It's a wilderness where, where tourists would come to watch the sunrise, and then they would go back. And from then on, I mean, this, this, this huge rock is a wilderness. And we had these 80 leaders in the snow. And I was to train them. And the local leaders, she said to me, she said, Pastor Wang, Pastor Wang, they have to travel home. They have to walk a long way. So, so you train them. You train them short, but not too long. I said, how short? She said, now it's nine o'clock in the morning. You go to five o'clock. Short. <laughs> and for eight hours. I mean, in this, in this wilderness, I taught them. What did I teach them? The Bible school in the wilderness, of course. I mean, in the Bible, I told these young leaders, every single person that God chose and that God anointed and that God used, that person had to graduate from the Bible school in the wilderness. It started with Moses. I mean, Moses, I mean, he was, he was dumb. I mean, he had to spend 40 years in a Bible school in the jolly wilderness. But Moses was not dumb. He was—he was a prince of Egypt. I mean, he knew mathematics. He knew geography. He knew astrology. He knew even Chinese kung fu. Remember, yeah, yeah. Two Egyptians died. Remember, <laughs> but in forty years in the Bible school of wilderness. Moses learned the most important lesson of being a servant of the Lord. To live, to go, to proclaim, to die. The Lord himself said, Behold, the servant of mine, Moses. For he is more humble than any other person. Moses learned the lessons of humility in the Bible school of wilderness. I told him about King David. I mean, he was anointed when he was a young teenager. And he was to be the king of all Israel. I mean, the two different portions, they were to be united. And David was to be their king. But then, he didn't just walk up to the throne. He went into the Bible school of wilderness. And for 15 years, I mean, he was running for his life. He was running away from hatred and hostility from Saul. I mean, in the Bible school of wilderness, David did not just learn the the the, the, the art of war. Uh, he did not learn the use of a uh, armor. He did not use, I mean, the swing of a sword or the or, or his sling. No, in the Bible school of wilderness, King David learned the Lord is my refuge. He is. My rock. He is my high place. He is my fortress. And in him, and in him alone, shall I hide. The Lord, they will learn, is my shepherd. I shall not want. And in the face of my enemies, they will learn. Thou has prepared a table of feast for me. I told these young leaders, Prophet Elijah, I mean Elijah, I mean on Mount Carmel, he was flamboyant, he was flying high, I mean he called for fire, and fire came, he called for rain, and rain came, I mean what a show, David Copperfield, get your heart out. <laughs> and Elijah ran in front of the chariots of the king. But then, second day, one woman, one woman whispered one warning to Elijah. And Elijah ran, well, for me, the same, the same. I'm not afraid of four hundred, eight hundred false prophets. But when one woman, Mrs. Wong whispered, Shut up. <laughs> Total. <coughs> Sorry. Shut up. But then in the cave, in the Bible school, in the wilderness, Elijah learned. He learned. Oh, there was a fire. There was fire. God must be in the, God must be in the fire. And the scripture said, God was not in the fire. There was a wind, remember? Elijah thought that God was in the wind, but then the scripture says God was not in the wind. There was the earthquake, and Elijah thought that God was in the earthquake, but then the scripture said, no, God was not. In the earthquake. Only when Elijah went back into the cave. And went back into himself. That he discovered. God was always, always, always there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Even to the ends of time. I taught these young leaders Jesus Christ. After he was baptized. I mean he was led into the Bible school of wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights he was tested. I mean in the Bible school of the wilderness he was tested physically. Turned these rocks into bread. He was tempted. I mean intelligently in his intelligent Why don't you work out a shortcut? Just bow to me, and I will return the whole world to you. And he was tested spiritually. Jump, jump, jump. I mean, he would would hold you by the palm of his hands. And I told his young leaders, Jesus overcame those temptations, one after one after one, by saying, It is Written. It is written. It is written. I mean you should see those young leaders. I mean now that they have their own Bibles, they carry the Bibles, they were crying and they were running in the park, on the rock, just running about, shouting, it it is written, crying, shouting, it is written. And I said, give me oxygen, give me oxygen. <laughs> it is written, it is written. And then I told them about the Apostle Paul. I mean, when Apostle Paul became a Christian, I mean, he didn't go to Jerusalem and ask for a corner office. He didn't hunt up with the top dogs of Jerusalem. The Bible says he went into the desert of Arabia. And in the Bible school of the desert of Arabia, the Apostle Paul learned to be alone with God. Alone. No, last Christmas, I didn't have turkey. I mean turkeys don't fly that high, I didn't have ham, pigs don't grow that high, I didn't have no pecan pie or pumpkin pie, anything pirish was, was a tube of bamboo, I mean containing in that tube was all the bamboo worms. I mean, they shake it all out, green with little black eyes looking at you. And you smear them into a pate and mix it with your rice. That's all I had. But I had a great Christmas. Up in this 14, 15,000 feet high, I had a great Christmas. Singing with these tribal Christians together because of your help. We say, Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is born today.